All right, everybody. Welcome back to another hot, hot episode of Red Wine and Mystery Stories, the hottest Ooh, podcast on the entire internet. The, out of the whole internet, we're the hottest, climbing up the charts. All of the world wide webs. Yes, the whole, uh, the whole, the whole multiverse. The webiverse. Yes, but in the universe and beyond, beyond. Uh, so we are a podcast. We talk about two of our favorite things. Well, we combine two of our favorite things, booze and mysteries. We, woot, woot. we love ourselves a great mystery. We like to sit up late at night and ponder about it. Yes, wonder, wonder about what makes it click. Wonder, wonder the, the dark secrets of the universe and the things on the dark web lead oh, us yeah. there. Yep. Uh, so um, in case you haven't listened to the previous episodes, I'm Patrick. I'm done. You probably know me. Maybe you don't. And I'm Jill Buck. Yes. You might know me as well, or yeah. not, whatever. Yeah, she's a candle maker, a chandler. A chandler. A chandler. Not like a chandelier, but like chandler. Like from Chandler Friends. Bing yeah. from Friends. I always said Chandler Ross. <laughs> but no, that's, that's different. It's wildly inaccurate. Yeah. Uh, where where can you follow our adventures? If you want to, if you like us, you want to hear more about us, you want to interact with us, you want to send us some fun pics. So we are on Twitter at Red Wine Mystery. You can always find us in our group on Facebook. Um, just search for Red Wine and Mystery Stories. Yeah, we have a little, you can interact with us. We'll reply. Oh, our friends yeah. Are there. You know, sometimes we totally. post gifts yep. <laughs> or There's, gifs. Or, you know, just fun photos and random facts or, yeah. or musings. Um, you can email us at redwinemysteries at gmail.com. Be the first one to actually email us. Yeah. It would be phenomenal and we would lose our shit. And yeah. I'm sure we will talk about it on the podcast because we will be so out of our minds excited about Maybe it. Maybe we'll send you a prize if you email us. Maybe get us a little... Stop promising prizes. You do that every time. Right. <laughs> you can also find us on Tumblr as well as anywhere you find your podcast like iTunes. Yeah, right? so, yeah, so uh, all that stuff, uh, YouTube, um, any, mm-hmm. anywhere. Any, any... We do have a couple of videos on yeah, YouTube, so some... feel free to look those up. You can see our smiling faces and all of our ridiculousness yeah, in if, person. If you want to watch one where I look really tired because I was like wildly hungover, yes, you can. Yep, and yeah, you can see my fat ass. Yeah, you can see my skinny butt. Yeah. See my long penis? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Let's not see that. Thank right. you. I have no need of seeing it. That's on, that's on my um, PatrickMDunnXXX.com. <laughs> yeah, that's all you. <laughs> all right, so what are we going to do today, Jillian Buck, the chandler? So, <laughs> so today, we are actually going to be talking about something that's slightly linked up with what we talked about last week. Yeah. Um, in the fact that it's talking about a movie. Yeah. Um, that we both enjoy, I feel like. Yeah, so if you didn't listen to last week's episode, uh, we talked about a story that was loosely... Kind of was like the poltergeist. It it seemed like it could be related to the poltergeist. Yeah. So, um, this is actually a film that took place, what, before? Before that, right? Yeah, so the movie was made in, like, the... 70s? The 70s. Um, The novel was written before that. But it also talks about something near and dear to both our hearts, which we've talked about in several episodes, which is curses. Yes, we love ourselves a good curse. Something that, you know, our scientists... Don't believe in. ...has 
more than once had his say put in about curses that they are completely BS. Yeah. Which, that's fine. He's a scientist. I love him. He's analytical. It's great. But we're still going to go on and talk about curses because we fucking love them. Yeah, we'll, so, lay, we'll lay down the facts and we'll let you decide. We'll let you decide yes. if you think this Let's is a curse. Present the evidence, as it were. Yeah, so, uh, you know, in 1973. So this is regarding the film... The Exorcist. Yes. And is it cursed? Yes. Is the film The Exorcist cursed? That is the question we are asking today. That's yes. what we are dying to know. Yep. Hopefully, hopefully not dying, but... It's our thesis statement. Yeah. We're itching to know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Mm. All right. So, you know, in 1973, William Friedkin, I think that's how you say his name, set out to bring William Blatty's novel The Exorcist to the big screen. Mm-hmm. The story of a young gal possessed by the demon... Uh, the Exorcist instilled terror in audiences, taking on the subject of a demonic possession and a very controversial Catholic ritual was sure to turn a few heads. <laughs> uh, no pun intended. <laughs> but after many strange and catastrophic occurrences, many became convinced that the film set and the movie itself were cursed by a demon. Uh, read on to... Le- oh, never mind. Anyway, um, I was going to ask you this, sorry. Mm-hmm. Have you ever watched the Exorcist television series? I have not. Okay, so it's ours, our gal pal, Gina Davis. <gasps> um, How have I not seen this? It's, it's got two wild seasons. I don't know if it's coming back for a third season, but... When did it come out? Uh, it started um, the, two years ago. That was the first season, and last fall was the second season. Oh my god, where is it available? It was on, it? Well, it was on Fox. I don't, I don't know where you Maybe can find it's a, it. I wonder if it's on Hulu, because I know Fox links up with Hulu for a lot. Yes. So, it takes I'll, place... I'll try and find it on Hulu, because so, that would be amazing. I'm not going to spoil it, but um, Gina Davis is in it. Uh, it takes place in modern times. And, Excellent. Um, they make reference to the movie, like the previous film series and other exor- exorcists. And mm-hmm. um, there is a major, major twist about halfway through, which ties it back to the original movie. So what? Luga. The tweets? Yes. Yeah, so um, I just remember a very prominent part of the f- uh, first episode of the f- series. Mm-hmm. So Gina Davis plays the mom, and she believes that her daughter is possessed by the devil because she's been, like, locked in the room. Mm-hmm. And she goes to the church, and, you know, the, the, the priest is like, oh, like, she's just a teenage girl. She likes to lock herself in her room. She's like, there's a demon in my house. So <laughs> I don't know. I just always love that part. It's a great show. I can like almost hear Gina Davis saying it, and yeah. it makes me so happy. Yeah, that's my Gina Davis voice. But... Yeah, it doesn't sound anything like her, yeah. but still, I can hear her in my head. <laughs> um, Gotta love Gina Davis. She's great. Yeah, we love her as um, Duddy Hinson. Yep. Um, piss on your red hat. Yeah, go piss on your red hat. Um, and her kid sister, Kit Keller. Mm-hmm. We love her in Beetlejuice. Yeah, all the way May. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just naming all the characters from uh, Leave from... Their Own. Yeah. <laughs> Leave Their Own. Yeah. Yep. And we love Gina Davis and everything. She's yeah, great. she plays... I, I feel like I've seen her in a lot of strong female roles, yeah. and I freaking love her for that. She's yeah. just phenomenal. I feel like she is a strong female role model. Like, yeah. just... That's she's like the, awesome. She's like the president of some guild or something. I don't, I don't know if it's SAG, but <clears throat> some some similar. Hmm. Yeah, she's like an important role. She's an important role. Maybe not the president, but I think she's like a chairman of the board or something. Chairman of the board. <laughs> she's awesome. Yeah, and she's then, great. Uh, yeah, friend of the podcast, Gal yeah, Pal. Yeah, friend of the show, Gal Pal Supreme. She's, she's probably gonna, one of the original Gal Pals. Yeah, she's going to tweet us and be like, I am not your Gal Pal. <laughs> gal Pal, please stop talking about me on yeah. your weird fucking podcast. Yeah, stop doing my demon voice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a demon. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, is the film The Exorcist Curse? That's the question. That is the question of the day. Yes. Yeah, so I got a whole, um, a bunch of 
um, reasons as to why they believe the film is cursed. And there's even a, I even, there's a twist. I have a twist at the end. Ooh, so, M. Night Shyamalan style? Yes. Yeah, so we're going to go through the events first and then I'll, I'll reveal the big, the big reveal. So. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. Hold on to your seats, guys and gals. All right. I'm holding. So as we know, The Exorcist um, is based off a real-life event. It says that in the beginning of the movie. Yes. And um, William Peter Blatty, he wrote his 1971 novel, the same name, based on the real-life exorcism of a boy. In the book, it was about a boy known um, as Roland Doe. A Catholic priest at Georgetown University Hospital performed the real-life exorcism, but had to stop when the boy managed to get free from his restraints pull a bedspring out of his mattress, and slash one of the priest's arms. <gasps> when Blatty wrote the novel, Roland's family requested the character be changed to a girl in order to protect the boy's identity. Roland then went on to live a normal life with no memory of the incident, retiring decades later from NASA. So I guess it's a happy story for him. So yeah. that's kind of like lay, lay the groundwork. That's good. And I'm glad that he, you know, wasn't affected by it because I feel like, you know, in a lot of things... That are based on true stories, if they do keep like gender the same and things like that, it can be easier to track down who the inspiration was and for like diehard fans to, you know, stalk them and, and make their lives more difficult and make it so that they can't lead normal lives. Whereas this, they, the family specifically re requested that the character be changed to a girl and therefore he was a little bit more protected. Yes, and even then, um, the name Roland Doe was just a pseudonym in the book. So right, exactly. Blatty actually changed the name, so I'm beginning yeah. to think, he retired decades later from NASA. Is it Neil Armstrong, the first man on the moon, or Buzz Aldrin, or um, Gus Grissom, or whatever? Or, or maybe that, Jim Level. that guy um, from the X-Files episode with the ghost from the, the outer space, the NASA Ooh, mission yeah. in outer space, the, like ghost alien thing that inhabited him and then was sabotaging all the, the NASA oh, so launches. You oh, yeah? So, <gasps> so you think the X-Files and our universe take place in the same world? I mean, they could. They very well could. So this, They very uh, well... Like, this could be, you know, somehow linked and just nobody talks about it. Mm -hmm. But I was thinking maybe it could be uh, Captain Jim Lovell um, on Apollo 13, his field Ooh. mission. Maybe mm. it was um, cursed and caused by... Pazuzu, the demon from uh, Pazuzu, <laughs> which is fun fact, the name of the gargoyle or griffin or whatever it is from um, Futurama. Oh yeah, in yeah. In that episode, Pazuzu. Pazuzu, and he saves the professor at the end. Yes. All right. So, fun fact number two that mm -hmm. leads me to believe the Exorcist may be cursed. So they had to delay shooting uh, on the movie after the set caught fire, disturbing what was supposed to be the McNeil's home, which is the family from the movie. Mm -hmm. um, director William Friedkin blamed the incident on a winged creature with talons. It seemed a pigeon had found its way into one of the circuit boxes, which caused the fire. However, uh, the creepy part about this is that while the house was like nearly destroyed, um, Reagan's bedroom was unharmed by the fire, So, which is like the room where they performed... The exorcism. the exorcism. Yeah. Pretty fucking creepy. Yeah, creepy corner. Uh, also, during filming, actress Ellen Burstyn, who played Reagan's mom, yes, uh, she was actually injured uh, in the film, like while she was filming, when the possessed Reagan throws her... Reagan, right, I hate the way I say Reagan. Reagan. Yeah, it's like the way I say uh, va vag. Vag. <laughs> uh, the possessed Reagan... <laughs> <laughs> Cats... Cat would lose her fucking mind. <laughs> the possessed Regan 
No, it's Reagan. Reagan. Ronald Reagan. 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 Tim Reagan's. Reagan. Reagan. Okay. No. Reagan. You tell me you say it. Just say the name. I think it's Reagan. No, it's Reagan. It's either Regan or Reagan, it's, not Ragan. It's, it's it's not ragu. This is not a pasta sauce. It's the second one you said. Reagan. 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 Like ray gun. All like right. I'm firing a ray gun at you in a sci-fi movie. All right, the possessed ray gun. <laughs> 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 All right. Darren Feldman, actress Ellen Burstyn, who played Raygun's mom, was actually injured when the possessed Raygun throws her to the ground. The tape is actually used in the film, and the blood-curling scream Ellen Burstyn lets out is actually completely genuine. And um, she's actually, like, this injury was so bad that like, it still bothers her today, to this very day. Mm. Hot stuff right there. Yeah. There's some hot scoops. Yeah. All right. So next one. Chances are... Good that any film that takes over a year to complete will be associated with bad incidences, but The Exorcist has a few deaths. So, mm. um, t- the two actors, um, Jack McGowan and Vasiki Malarios, both died while the film was in post production. What makes their deaths strange is that their characters died in the film as well. Mm. So, that's kind of weird. So, other deaths that occurred during the filming include Linda Bear's grandfather. And uh, Max von Sydow's brother, who died on Max's first day of shooting. Also, while filming, the son of Jason Miller, who plays uh, Father Damon Karras, was nearly killed when a motorcycle hit him. So there's a lot of, like, peripheral damage going on, yeah. too. Yeah, so Lots I don't know. of death around this film. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I tried to, like, look up real quick, like, how Jack McGowan died, but... Yeah, because it doesn't really go into, like, how they died. Because, I mean, there could be a lot of circumstances that make this just coincident uh let's see if i can find it Ooh, this is an interesting bit of can i can i talk about the next one yeah well i'm doing a little hot research of it yeah i can't find it so just go to the next one while filming one of the um possession scenes linda was actually thrown out of the bed when a piece of rigging broke causing her to injure her back additionally after the film's release linda received so many death threats that the studio had to hire bodyguards to escort her to the next for the next six months that's fucking crazy why did they want to kill her well because she was involved i i read into this before so this was like we we all know the catholic church is shitty right yeah, we've, I mean, we've, just, we've brought it up a few times in this pod. Right, and yeah. I mean, honestly, all the, you know, the, the like, molestations and stuff, which there's a new round of in the news now. Like, yeah. it's happening again. Round like, two. what the fuck? Yeah. Did we really need to go back down that road? No. All right, No, then. girl. So, go ahead. All right, so, we all know the Catholic Church is shitty. They suck. Mm-hmm. And they they protested the fuck out of this movie. Like, they... Of course they did. Did not want this movie... Well, because it casts so, the Catholic Church in, in it a, in as a bad like, light. Well, I mean, it could be construed as a bad light. I mean, this is um, a Catholic priest re- performing a ritual that's highly controversial that the church doesn't really endorse. Yeah, they they try to time. say like they try to say that like exorcism and or possessions aren't really a, like aren't real. Right, and they're like trying to say that exorcisms are not performed, and this makes it seem like it's more commonplace, and blah 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 blah. Yeah, it has to be. It has to be like approved by the Pope. Yeah, it, you right. have to like get permission from like the Vatican, I think, because yeah. didn't they bring that up in The Conjuring, the first yes, one? Yes. Yeah, which is based off of um, like a real life 
um, ghost hunting team. Yeah, I actually think it's um, based, like, I think the real-life ghost hunter team, I think they were involved in the Exorcist from this. They were actually involved in the Amityville Horror. Okay, I knew it was tied in with something. Yeah, they were involved in the Amityville Horror case, which is one of their most well-known ones, but The Conjuring brought up one of their, like, darkest ones, in their opinion. Yeah. Um, Spookiest ones. Yeah, Yeah, like, that was fucking creepy. Like, apparently that was detrimental to them than like the the Amityville horror one. <laughs> and I've actually seen cuz um what was it uh TLC or the Discovery Channel or something TV's left eye and chili. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Way back in the day you used to have a show called um Haunting or something yeah, yeah. and they talked about like real life haunting occurrences and they had like interviews with the people that experienced it and of course reenactments to make it like interesting to watch. But they also had interviews with some of the people that helped the people that were experiencing them and um the uh one of the recurring uh teams that was on there was the warrens because they're a well-known like paranormal par- paranormal paranormal investigators and, and <laughs> ragging yeah ragging <laughs> um, there's a swan with those those two geese. Yeah, that's like weird. That's a weird threesome going on there. Yeah, they're having a little uh, having a little menage a trois. Yeah, two ge- two Canada geese and a swan. That doesn't look right. Ooh, yeah, ooh, <laughs> um, So anyway, yeah. So like they they um, actually talk about their experiences on a lot of the cases that are um, in the in the haunting show in the TV show. <laughs> Shut up! I, I know. know. I'm, I'm like. Not- the fuck over the place. I understand. It's the Kraken, damn it. I'm laughing at that fucking swan thing that you were talking about a second, a hot second ago. The what? The, the swan. swan yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that swan is like swimming really like close to that one goose, and the other one's like hanging back, like protecting them. Yeah, I know. Like, what the fuck is going? on? You don't see that. Where is the swan's like other half? It's and late in the season. <laughs> That's okay. my little Whitney corner. And there's Whitney corner. <laughs> yes. Whitney washout here. Yeah. Um, okay. Crack is so, whack. Yeah. Oh, man. So, back <laughs> to the exorcist, huh? So it was cursed? <laughs> Did you hear? Did you know that the exorcist was cursed? So, yeah, anyway, like, the Warrens were on that show, like, that the actual people, and they're older. And the, yeah, they're like an elderly couple now. Yeah. It was very interesting, like, hearing them, because one of the ones that they did on that show was the Amityville Horror. They talked about, like, the actual family and the actual case, not what was dramatized in the movie. Yeah, the movie was wildly wildly dramatized. Yeah, but it was really interesting hearing them talk about, because I think one of the people that lived in the house, I think it was either the husband or the wife, actually talked about, I think it was the husband, and the wife was, like, not didn't want to talk about it so it wasn't actually part of the show oh yeah she's um, like uh, yeah because it was I so traumatic yeah. and it was just like it was very interesting seeing like their take on it take on everything and what actually happened from their perspectives and it was it was cool oh we'll have to dig it up and we'll have to go go on the world wide web with yep. the warrens talk about the rare amityville horror Watch them as an elderly couple and not as like a young hot couple yep. played by hollywood actors Eels. yeah so, so anyway yeah, so um, Linda received so many death threats. Uh, the studio had to hire bodyguards for six months. That's for six fucking months. Yeah, they had to get crazy, Kevin man. Costner. 
met yep. multiple Kevin Costners. Yeah, lots of Kevin Costners around yeah. England. They cloned Kevin Costner like six or four, like six times. That's how he was able to do the Waterworld movie and Dances with Wolves and Field of Dreams and be so amazing. No. Yeah. Well, <laughs> like that was like there was like a slew where like Kevin Costner was like on top of the world. Yes. He was the only person on dry land. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but boom. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, it was Everest, the yeah. top of Everest. That is like, true. Yeah. Took a long time to find it. Took him many, yeah. many years, many moons. Yeah. Many but moon he, cycles. Like, he, he brought the people there and yeah. then he like went out to find more people to bring them to dry land. Don't go chasing water worlds. Please stick to the, the bodyguards and the feel the dreams that you're used to. Yeah. Yeah. That's the moral of the story. Yep. All right. Yeah, so um, we'll, we'll go to our next fun fact, because, you know, we know, we know that they received death threats. The Catholic Church right. sucked. They sucked. All right, so the next one. This one's pretty wild. So uh, in 1987, actress Mercedes McCambridge, she played the voice of Pazuzu in uh, The Exorcist. She was the victim of a horrific tragedy when her son murdered his wife and children before taking his own life. Well, I mean, that can be chalked up to, like, mental disorder. We see that happening a lot today. Like, um, you know, women do it, men do it. It's it's one of those things that actually happens more than anybody wants to talk about. Yeah, but... And it's usually, like, mental illness related. But a woman involved a woman who was in The Exorcist? Incidents. I don't know. We This is our sixth possession fun fact, so I'm like... Yes, I know. Like, but I'm just playing devil's advocate uh, again. How I'm many fucking Scully? I swear, it's the X Files shirt I'm wearing. I'm channeling Scully right now. Yeah. Well, go home. <laughs> We're gonna recast you with uh, January Jones. Oh, I'm already being recast yeah. with January Jones. Cat Halstead, the author. I feel your pain. We're gonna get January Jones, the actress. She's gonna come on. She's gonna. I know, she's gonna be fun. She's gonna be sexy. Maybe she'll tell us some fun stories about uh, John Hamm. <laughs> Maybe you should tell us like that one time she saw like John Hamm's penis because it's supposed to be. You were obsessed long. with penis. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Patrick. <laughs> Jesus Christ, stop talking stop about talking penis. About penis. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, I forget what I was going with. January. Jones, I don't know where with. you were going with that. I have no idea where you're going. Sorry to our ten listeners. We're now down to nine listeners. Yeah, somebody's just signed off right yeah, there. Sorry, just hit the, the pause button and like I am not going back to that. Michelle slash Nicole is yeah. like, and I'm officially done. <laughs> yeah, she's like, you know what? If he says, if he talks about an actress penis one more time, I'm out. And then I'm like, Jenna's penis. And she's like, that's it. That's it. Fuck it. I'm done. And she turns it back on it like a five minutes later. She's like, wait, what about John Ham's penis? <laughs> I mean, she does listen at work. We've got to be entertaining a little bit, I yeah. feel like. I mean, I could listen to anything at work. It'd be better than fucking work, right? <laughs> I... I feel like she probably has a, a decently tedious job. She uh, works in a lab. I mean, oh, yeah. So she's just like, she's like over test tubes all day. I, no, I think she works on a computer similar to like Jay. Oh. So I think that, I don't know if they're in the same department or she's not. tapping away, maybe doing some Excel Yeah, so she's like listening while she's doing like yeah. a repetitive mundane task, I feel uh, like. Oh, yeah, yeah. And every now and then she just lets out a chuckle. <laughs> mm-hmm. us, like, and yells like, at us like, "No, yeah. that's not correct." <laughs> uh, she wants to. She wants to give us a no bone zone. If you want to give us a no bone zone, which yeah, is our you, correction corner, you're in our Facebook group. You can always just like just post on there that we have a no bone zone. You need to you know pick a bone with. All right. So what's uh, her, her official name? 
Um, it's Michelle. Now I'm questioning myself. <laughs> God damn it! Let me look up. All right. So you you very mistakenly referred to her by the wrong name. So I did, and right. I apologized in person. And she thought it was funny because apparently everybody does that. It's like a common thing that they call her that name. And I I didn't feel as bad, but I still felt really bad. Okay. So shout out to Michelle. Thank you for uh, being a fan. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down the road and back again. We're you're. Pal and a confidant. Yeah, it's. And <laughs> now I'm gonna have that song stuck <laughs> in my head. Thank you very much. All right, all right. So shout out to Michelle. If you threw a party and invited everyone you knew, <laughs> you would see the biggest gift would be from us. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the card would simply say, "Thank you for being a friend." <laughs> yes. Travel down the road and back again. All right. Yep. You ready for another fun fact? Yes. All right. This one's wild. This one's wild. We're going to involve um, a televangelist now, Billy Graham. So you ready? Oh, bring on the Billy get, Graham shit. We voices. are ready to destroy him. Sorry. Many believe that the actual film was cursed itself and that playing it through a projector was an invitation for demonic possession. Televangelist Billy Graham stated, There is a power of evil in the film America world, in the fabric of the film itself. When it was first released, the film was banned in every Middle Eastern country but Lebanon. The re-release was banned in Lebanon, though. During the Roman premiere, audience had to fight their way through a torrential downpour accompanied by thunder and lightning in order to get into the theater. Many inside claimed to hear a horrific, almost demonic cry coming from outside once the film started rolling. At one showing, a woman was so frightened she passed out in the theater and broke her jaw when she fell. She later she needed a fainting couch. Yeah, she needed the old fainting couch. Yeah. Uh, she later sued the filmmaker, suggesting that subliminal messages could cause the accident. Warner Brothers settled out of court for an undisclosed amount. Ooh, well, God. that just sounds like bullshit to me, and sorry. Yeah. It looks like somebody looking for a quick buck. Yeah. I mean, you know what? I'm, I'm not go, mine. I'm going go to the, I'm gonna go see The Nun tonight, and then I'm going to faint and break my jaw. <laughs> yeah. Patrick needs... I feel like Patrick often needs a fainting couch. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, it's more like a, like a, a hangover couch. <laughs> mostly what I need. That and I, too. And I think after I finish recording, I'm going to hit up the hangover couch. Uh-huh. All right. We've been hitting that hangover couch, like, all day. Yeah. Off and on, pretty hard. Yes. All right. So, are you, are you ready for the most curseiest cursed of all curses? Yes. All right. Do you know about the exorcist murderer? I have heard briefly of it. I don't know a lot of the details. All right. So it all happened three years after The Exorcist was released mm-hmm. in New York City. Yes, New York City. It was the late 70s. Uh, you know, crime haven, crime mm-hmm. capital of the world. Yep, urine in the streets and whatnot. Yep, cum puddles everywhere. Urine puddles, cum puddles, poop puddles. Yeah, there's lots of puddles of various bodily fluids. It's not, not a good time. Yeah, not only were there bodily fluid puzzle, pu- puzzles, puddles everywhere, six men were killed and dismembered. The bodies were wrapped up in plastic bags, and each was dumped in the Hudson River like trash. (gasps) Due to the condition of the bodies, police were unable to identify the victims. However, upon investigating the men's clothing and identifying tattoos, authorities determined that the men were gay and that a serial killer targeted them at popular gay nightclubs. Uh, It wasn't until the body of a well-known film critic, Addison Verrill, was discovered beaten and stabbed inside his New York City apartment that police had a new lead in the case. The murderer was a man named Paul Bateson, a 30-something, ex, a 30-something-year-old x-ray technician he met at a nightclub on September 14th, 1977. 
Bateson confessed to going home with Verrill that fateful night, having sex with him and bashing his skull with a metal skillet before stabbing him. Bateson then ransacked Verrill's apartment, stole a credit card and some cash, and left the writer to die in the nude. Ooh, the nude. The killer was, uh, was awaiting sentencing in Riker's prison when he allegedly bragged about his crime and many others. He explained how he picked up countless men at bars, killed them, chopped them up, and threw them in the Hudson just for fun. As the, as the case made the news, director William Friedkin of The Exorcist recognized the killer's face staring back at him in the newspaper. The killer had appeared in The Exorcist. <laughs> it was a scene where Ray Gunn McNeil is happening... <laughs> Has having an angiography due to determine if she had any brain damage from the exorcist or the demonic possession. The scene is frightening on its own, but it becomes even more menacing after the realization that there's a killer in the room. So, Freakin uh, filmed the scene at NYU Medical School with a real neuropsychiatric surgeon and his team. Bateson was the surgeon's assistant who helped prepare the little girl for her procedure. Shocked by the discovery, the director called up Bateson's lawyer to schedule an interview with him. During their meeting, William Freakin asked Bateson if he did kill the men, and Bateson, a raging alcoholic, can only remember killing Verrill. He described how he met the film critic at a popular nightclub and, de- de- and detailed how he took the man's life. Freakin explained, Though Bateson worked with a brain surgeon, he himself was not a brain surgeon because the body bags all had little indications that they were from the NYU Medical Center, and that's how the police tracked him. Ooh, okay, that's some good police work right there. Yeah, yeah right, shout out to right him. there, yeah. The killer also told Friedkin that police offered him a deal to confess to the multiple murders for a shorter sentence. Bates, Bateson would eventually be released from prison early in 2004. Interesting. I mean, this isn't necessarily supernatural. It's just that there was a fucking... A murderer. A murderer a that just happened to be hired as, like, basically a glorified extra on this film. Yes, which I feel like, I mean, come on, if we look at statistics, if there was like a statistics for that, I'm sure we'd see more of it than just the one case. Yeah, well. Because, I mean, you don't really, when you're hiring extras, you're not necessarily going to find out if they're going to be a future serial killer. Well, I mean, we don't know how, like, he could have been killing people all along. We don't really know. We don't, right, we don't know Right, but like, past. especially back in the 70s, there's not like... How are you going to know that? Yeah, I mean, you're not. It's not like there's a database that says, oh, well, don't hire this guy. He's a murderer. He's a exactly. Pe- or he's going to murder somebody someday. Right, exactly. So, you, you, like, we're that's not, the We're thing. not oracles. We're not oracles, Jill Buck, right. Chandler. Yeah. So that's, that's what I'm saying, though, is, like, there's got to be more extras that ended up being, being like, criminal. Criminals. <laughs> well. Criminals. My, all right. My, my hot take on this is that the movie was already plagued with darkness as it is. Mm-hmm. So I think something dark drew this guy to be in the movie. Like, it kind of, like, drew him in, you know? You are so Mulder right now. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. Like, you know, he's, they were probably NYU Medical School. They were talking about they're going to have, like, do a hot Hollywood film in here next week. Mm-hmm. And this guy, he's just a young, I don't know, lab assistant or something, whatever, neurosurgeon, scientist assistant. Yeah, I mean, honestly, and people that have, like psychological issues are often drawn to careers helping psychological patients like people that are that go into psychology and and things like that are often a little bit more fucked up than people that don't because it's almost like they're subconsciously looking for a, a cure for their own issues 
Or maybe it's just like, you know, you just, you just see, you see shit, right? Yeah. Like, oh, I'm just like, I've seen shit. I've, I've seen, seen some, some shit. I've seen some shit and it affects you at night. You know, you're, you have many sleepless nights and yep. Yep. I don't know, like, you, you let out your aggression. You. Yeah. So but, yeah. I don't know, maybe, maybe like that dark mind though, like it just drew him to the film, I think. It's right. Just, yeah. So. Well, didn't it also like this whole thing, didn't it lead to uh, Friedkin uh, directing a crime th- thriller? Based on loosely based on the case, yes. Yeah, all right. starred Al Pacino. Yes, all right. So this is gonna um, cruising. Yeah, all right. So this, this is this is gonna get wilder. So um, this is where I begin to think that maybe the Exorcist curse was not like not necessarily just the Exorcist curse, but maybe yep. it followed William Friedkin. Like maybe he's cursed. Like maybe Ooh, the curse is on him. So interesting. Um, this this whole incident um, partly inspired William Friedkin to direct the crime thriller Cruisin', which starred Al Pacino as an undercover New York cop investigating a serial killer targeting gay men. Mm. Although Bateson is widely believed to be responsible for the unidentified bodies that washed up in the Hudson River, there was no solid evidence linking him to like all of the crimes, just that one he confessed to, I guess. Mm-hmm. And even though he brutally murdered another man in cold blood, he, he, you know, he, he's a free man today. But, Which so, is scary as shit. Yeah, so, um, so he did the movie uh, Cruise, and it's like loosely based on the story. It's not like fact, mm-hmm. fact-based, but... The film was poorly received by critics upon release. Cruise and performed moderately at the box office... Uh, the shooting and promotion were dogged by gay rights protesters who believe that the film stigmatized them. And uh, throughout the summer of 79, members of um, the New York gay community protested against the production of the film. Um, the protests started at the urging of uh, journalist Arthur Bell, the writer whose series of articles on unsolved murders of gay men inspired the film. Um, so people were just like urged to disrupt the film in, um, you know, they attempted to interfere with shooting by pointing mirrors from rooftops to ruin the lighting for scenes blasting whistles and air horns near locations and playing loud music. Um, 1,000 protesters marched through the East Village, demanding the city withdraw support of the film. As a result of interference, the movie's audio largely was overdubbed in order to remove the noise caused by off-camera protesters. Interesting. Yeah, so uh, hot take. Al Pacino said that he understand the pro- understood the protests, but insisted that upon reading the screenplay, he never at any point felt the film was anti-gay. He said that the leather bars were just a fragment of the community, uh, the same way the mafia is a fragment of Italian-American life. Hmm. And, I don't know. I Which guess. is referring to, like, the Godfather and, like, yeah. you know. It's kind of weird that, like, he didn't get a, shit. he didn't get, like, backlash. Like, I feel like today he would get backlash for that in a modern, modern day. I mean, the film got a lot of backlash, it sounds like, but it's kind of, like, almost timely, too, because there have been people, there have been serial killers that have targeted gay people as their victims like look at that guy that went in and shot that nightclub up in florida Uh, the pulse thing yeah Yeah. he went into a gay club to specifically shoot up gay people i'm sorry it happens and this is shedding light on that i don't think that that makes it anti-gay i think it's shedding light on a problem yeah well i think um it's already it's a it's a charged topic yeah the landscape was in the early 80s, late 70s were, you know, rough, I guess. Yeah. It was a rough time in America, so... I don't know, people just probably didn't want to see this movie come out, and they did whatever they it, could. It might actually be received better today. Yeah, I, I guess it's, like, re- like a really horrible movie. Like, um, it got very... Siskel and Ebert gave it, like, many Yeah, but that's what down. I'm saying. Yeah. It might get better reviews today, it given could. the climate. I've never seen it, so I can't really like, say. Like, given the, you know, acceptance of people with different, um, you know persuasions and things like that you might have a better reception of this because some of the backlash 
might not have been from the gay community. It might have been from people not wanting to see, like, a gay lifestyle as normalized. Oh, yeah, and, like, actual, like, Hollywood stars in it. Yeah, like, right. we like, loved Al Pacino in The Godfather. We don't want to see him in Creason. Right, like, that's the thing. Like, that's... I feel like, you know, with what Al Pacino is saying, he's, like, it's showing a fragment of the population, and it's trying to normalize something that is normal that people in many walks of life don't want to see normalized. Yes, I agree with you there. Which, in that time frame, really wouldn't have been normalized yet, which is unfortunate. That, I feel like, like we've an, come a long way in that It's an underground scene that yeah. wasn't well known about. So like, I or think wasn't I, well, like, it wasn't well reflected. Like, it was all very in, in negative light in just every aspect of everything. And it's not so much now, which is good. But I can like, see, I can see like a large group of people like why they didn't want this movie to come out because it, you know, it probably wouldn't put their community in a in a good light. So they wanted, you know, they well, wanted yeah. a better representation and not a movie is, about their community being murdered. Well, yeah, but I mean, if you think about it, there's movies about just exclusively women being murdered. I've never found those, especially you know. Um, polarizing or you know targeting or showing a cross-section it's just this is a specific you know part of the community that was being targeted by this specific killer and you know these are the things that we're doing to find that killer so it's the same thing and i agree al pacino's like you know the godfather that's not what all italian americans are like and it's not that's a specific cross-section of potential and there are leather bars, and there are gay people that go to them and enjoy them, and that's just their thing. Yeah, it does. So this is showing a cross-section of that population. Like, okay. a specific, like, fragment. where the guy... Yeah, it's a fragment of where that guy was targeting people. He was going to these specific places. He wasn't going to Panera Bread. <laughs> Like he was I wouldn't going, go to Panera Bread, though, either. I don't, you know, I don't, but like, I don't blame him. He was him. going to these specific types of bars. He wasn't going to just everyday places to target people he thought was gay. He was going so he to was, these specific bars. It was almost like he was a part of this world, and maybe he <laughs> felt guilty about it. Exactly, yeah. because the it, it had such a stigma and wasn't normalized. And this movie could have done a lot to normalize things. It could have been a, you know, a, a big... Step forward. Well, maybe we'll have movie corner tonight, and we'll uh, we'll watch cruising. Yeah, maybe we'll, we'll watch uh, some cruising and and do some um, cruising. Yeah, <laughs> after that's creepy <laughs> sounding yeah. coming from us. I don't know; it just sounds weird. But whatever. I know. We'll, we'll come back maybe in a, a couple of hours. <laughs> we'll, maybe we have, we'll have seen it, and we'll give you like a movie review. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I mean, not never having seen it, I don't know how like homophobic the film comes across because it could come across as homophobic i'm just trying to you know say potentially it might not be okay well um the movie itself may have been cursed okay because there are some pretty shitty things that happened in the fallout of the movie so Hmm. there's a 1995 documentary called the celluloid closet um and it was made by ron nicewainer a screenwriter for philadelphia Okay. Claims he and a boyfriend were threatened with violence by a group of men who stated that cruising was their motivation. They were inspired by the movie Cruisin'. Um, then, according to a 2013 book by film professor Arkhart Kaido Patrick, two months after the film's release, a bar prominently displayed in the movie came under attack by a man with a submachine gun, killing two patrons and wounding 12 others. 
Friedkin refused to comment on the attack. Um, and a 2016 article in the New York Times identifies the culprit of the shooting as Ronald Crumpley, formerly a New York City transit police officer. Mm-hmm. So he first shot two people outside a delicatessen with an Uzi, then walked a few blocks where he shot into a group of men standing outside. The ramrod. The ramrod. Car ramrod. Oh, my <laughs> God. And you didn't say it. I wrote it down. All right. So he went into the ramrod and, and killed killed them all. The gays. The, they ruined everything is what he said when he went in there. And he was found not responsible by reason of mental disease or defect and spent the rest of his life at a psychiatric hospital dying at the age of 73 in 2013. Uh, the New York Times article from 2016 does not mention Cruzen or William Friedkin. So, I mean, obviously that guy's that guy was definitely mentally ill and then he spent the rest of his life in a mental institution and there are always going to be mentally ill people that target specific cross-sections of the community such as the gay population or women or black people or Hispanics or, you know, Chinese people. Like, there's always going to be mentally ill people that target a specific community. Yes. And we saw that with the Pulse nightclub in Florida. That was somebody who was mentally ill targeting the gay community and shooting the fucking place up. Doesn't mean it was related to anything they saw. Well, I think a lot of... A lot of this is drawn back to the strange circumstance that all begat with The Exorcist. Right. It's all trying to... So a little movie, a little movie called The Exorcist, um, spawned two sequels, a television series. Um, and a curse. And a curse, most importantly. So we, re- we relayed all the facts to you. You can do what you want with them. What is your hot take? Do you think that the film The Exorcist is cursed? That William Friedkin is cursed? I mean, I, I don't know how I feel about curses in general. I'm... I'm more apt to lean towards our scientist's perspective as curses are just, like, hokum. Um, coincident corner. Yeah, seriously, but... But we, we've, done a, we've talked about a lot of different curses. We, we, did the, uh, we did the Kennedy curse. We did the yes. Superman curse. We did, which I talked about, and I was like... I had, I had a hot scoop on that with, um, you know, the fact that uh, Superman is one of the only superheroes where in superhero form, you just see the guy's face. He's not wearing a mask or anything else, so it's hard to picture that actor as anything but that superhero, and that's why people end up not being able to get work afterwards, because they're so, you know, definitively seen as Superman versus Batman, who's wearing a mask, or, you know, anything else. Spider-Man. Right. Yeah. All wearing masks. Iron Man. Robin. Wearing a mask. (laughs) The Boy Wonder. I mean, he's even wearing a mask, let's face it. Yeah. His face is partially covered, but yeah. Like, seriously, so it's harder to see... Superman, somebody who's played Superman as any other role, so they end up not getting as much work, and then they get depressed, and then things lead to, like, shitty circumstances or suicide. Like, they go into a downward spiral because, hey, they had this really high point in their life, and then they fucking tanked afterwards. But what about a controversial film uh, that involves the devil and it's already it's already being i mean it's being, controversial there's there's always going to be weird things and protests surrounding like controversial films all right so like all right so you got the exorcist being filmed yeah. and you got people dying you got people injuring themselves on the set you got death threats 
you have a murderer in the midst and and i mean a lot of the malfunctions of things too like the malfunction of the like workings that threw her from the bed and stuff i mean it's a malfunction of equipment but you never you never it, hear it, about there's no there's not all kinds of weird things, things happening have, to uh like the cast members of um like the sisterhood of the traveling pants yeah that's a little ridiculous because Things have come a long way in that industry and like engineering and things like that are much different and things are a lot more safety regulated that wasn't around in the 70s. There's a lot more safety regulations going into protection of people who are actually making the movies. Okay. There's also a lot more like stunt doubles for things that wouldn't have been considered like dangerous stunts back in the day. Well, my hot take is, um, you know, I, I'm kind of like iffy on the curse thing too, but... I'd probably avoid, probably avoid, um... Being part of an Exorcist remake? Yeah, you know, they said, we're going to do The Exorcist again. Or, like, you know, even, like, when they said Gina Davis was going to do The Exorcist TV show, I wanted to write her and just, like, be careful, girl, be careful, (laughs) careful what you're getting yourself into. Yeah, we want to protect our gal pal. Yeah, so far, I guess things are good for her. Um, Yeah. Yeah, maybe because William Friedkin wasn't involved. Yeah, it could have been him. But like maybe he like maybe it's maybe all his fault. Maybe he's just a bad director. Yeah, maybe he's like a horrible person and the yeah. universe is trying to course correct itself. We it don't know. Maybe karma. Yeah, maybe maybe he did something maybe he like kicked a puppy when he was like twelve. Yeah. And, and it's uh, like this is all because of that. Yeah. Because I looked at um, a lot of movies that he did mm-hmm. after the Exorcist. I'm gonna bring up I'm gonna bring them up. And they're not great movies. Um, so I think this was kind of like his The Exorcist was his bread and butter, I think. So. Yeah, that was like his big breakout. All right, so you know he he looks like he started in the late sixties. He had some, he did the French Connection, the Boys in the Band. He oh, did, the French Connection! I feel like that was a big one. It was. It was a big. Uh, it's a well, well known crime film. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. the Exorcist came out, and I don't know. It just kind of. He did the Sorcerer, which I've never heard of. The Brinks Job, Cruisin', which was um, nominated for a Golden Raspberry Award for Worst Director and Worst Screenplay. Oh, ouch. Uh, he did Blue Chips, Jade in the 90s, Rules of Engagement. Rules of Engagement, I've heard of. Yeah, and um, just a bunch of TV things that I've never really even heard yeah, of. He so. may have just been a shitty person. Yeah, so it looked like looked like the curse kind of like whittled his career into nothing, so... Or he was just a shitty person. Yeah. Well, he's still alive. He's still out there. He's still kicking. Mm-hmm. At least at the time of this recording. Uh, he's, he's had... Oh, he, he was married to Leslie Ann Down, who played uh, Olivia Richards on Sunset Beach. Ooh. Gal Sunset pal. Beach. Yeah, yeah definitely gal pal. Yeah. Um, they were married for uh, three years, from 1982 to 1985. Maybe, maybe she saw cruising and was like, fuck this movie, fuck this guy, fuck him. I'm out. I'm done. Deuces, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm out. All right, so that, that's, a, I guess, my hot take. Um, so maybe it is William Friedkin and not necessarily The Exorcist. Maybe uh, maybe he's just a shitty person and yeah, Karma's, it, like, coming back repeatedly to bitch slap him. Yeah, he kicked a puppy when he was 12. Yeah. He, or stole, stole from, like, the, um, maybe the collection tra- bo- box at work. I mean, at maybe church. He, maybe he stole those fucking red shoes from What's-Her-Face. Oh, from our previous episode? Yeah, yeah, from Texas. Yeah, listen to our previous episode and that will make sense. Yeah. <laughs> Curses aside, I think I, need to, um, I think I need to go take a mystery nap. Yeah. My eyes hurt. I have my sore eyes. Yeah. Oh, my sore eyes. Well, there could be another reason for those sore eyes, I you know. know. Um, 
drinking. It's, it's it's looming above us. Yeah, that's true. I'm sorry. Maybe maybe a little dipped into my my cup yeah, when I was because like, I filtered down. Yeah, because I went outside. outside. I went outside with my my beer mug a little oh, while ago. Oh, that was a mistake. So it's now filtered into your beer. Something and... rained in, on my parade. Yeah, so to say. Yep. Something in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's chemtrails. Chemtrails. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so they're coming for us. They're gonna kill us. They're Next gonna, week's episode, bitches. They're gonna, they're gonna make us do crazy things, like uh, yeah. hopefully not murder, but you never know. You never yeah. know. You never know. You never know. Maybe here. that's the whole reason behind everything. Maybe yeah, chemtrails. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe, Stay tuned next week where yeah. we delve in deep. They'll make people make cum puddles. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> All right. So join us next week when we talk about chemtrails. This bitch needs to close his eyes for a few minutes. Deuces. Bye.